on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. The OU Board of Regents met, and we let you know what they approved. Then, the return of football guys talking basketball. Yeah, FGTB is back, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, March 8th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of March, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted Lehman, how we doing, sir? I'm fantastic. Cannot complain. Got a little bit of a, a the slow season going on football-wise, but there's still stuff happening out there. Uh, there, there are important things happening, and one of one of the things I think we do a great job of on this podcast and I rarely compliment us because I think we're terrible at what we do, <laughs> I agree. but we, you know, we keep it, we try to keep it as light as possible and as entertaining as possible and, you know, sports focused as possible. And I feel like we've done a good job. I, I don't know how much people want to know about our personal lives. We've sprinkled some of those stories in there when they're relatable, but I, I do need to, I got to say something about Tom Love because, and for those of you that don't know, Tom Love is my wife's grandfather. And I've gotten, got to know him extremely well over the last 10 years or so. And we lost him this week and he was an incredible man and was extremely influential in my life. And I know he was extremely influential in the lives of a lot of Oklahomans, uh, a lot of people around the country with what, what he was able to do from a business perspective, but also philanthropy and just relationships. That That's the one thing that will always stick with me about him is just how many, how many people liked him, you know, how, how many people he knew, how many people respected him. And he was just a great, great man. 
that that meant a lot to me, clearly meant a lot to my family. And luckily, you know, we had gotten to spend a lot of time with him over these last couple months, you know, with some of the health struggles he was having. He got to spend a lot of time with my son, uh, took a lot of videos of of my son shooting the basketball and Tom Love uh, cheering him on. So I'm going to cherish that stuff forever. But we lost an absolutely legendary man this week who, yeah, I mean, one of our main topics was how much he loved you, Ted. He listened to the podcast, loved listening to the radio broadcast, clearly uh, loved Oklahoma football. And it was, uh, that was a rough call that my wife got. We're out here in Hawaii. She got it uh, at the end of a dinner on Tuesday night. And that's not a fun way to end a dinner, man. But what a, uh, what a legacy that man left. Unbelievable. Boy, there's no doubt about it. And it's tough. I, you know, whenever you, you have as much, much success in the business world as obviously he did, gosh, it could be a tough balance. A lot of times, uh, not necessarily animosity, but it could be difficult to also be so well liked. Right. You know, a lot of times that feeds the, uh, the haters, I guess you would say, but man, done so much for the state so much for gosh, OU athletics, right? The, what we focus on, uh, just and you know you could see it. You know I found out on on Twitter and I just the comments and you know not just you know the the general comments, but from from well known people throughout the community around Oklahoma, obviously touched a lot of lives. That's big. Yeah. So may he rest in peace. Easy transition. To the OU Board of Regents meeting, Ted. Let, let's start with some of the coaching extensions, right? We we saw Jeff Levy get an extension, Joe John Finley get an extension, Todd Bates, Bill Biedenboe, uh, Jay Valai. We saw DeMarco Murray get an extension and a raise, Brandon Hall extended and a raise, and then the contract figure for Emmett Jones was made public at $550,000 per year. Some people may see this and go, they just went six and seven. Why are they getting raises and extensions? And the answer to that is, for the most part, assistant coaches are on one-year or two-year deals. So you got to extend them or else they're not under contract. And this just in, people don't like working when they're not under contract. Ted, they prefer to get paid. So I know some people may see this and go, wait, 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 wait a second. What's going on here? But this is... This is just how it goes, and especially for a guy like Jeff Lebby, who we know a lot of people were after. You see him now bringing in just under $2 million as OU's offensive coordinator, and it almost feels like a bargain when you consider that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart were after the guy. Yeah, well, you can almost guarantee, uh, well, I guess you don't even have to say almost. You can guarantee that those those folks that were coming after him were offering him more money than what he's making here. That's how you get people to leave, right? And that's why whenever you look at, you know, some of the the salaries here, I know people always have questions, but you know, for for some of the guys that came with Venables, you've got to pay top dollar in order to get people to leave situations where they're at, where they're having success, where they're comfortable and uproot their families and come. Uh, to a different place and kind of hit the reset button. You know, you 
you got to pay people to do that. You can't pay them typically less than or even the same as what they're making before. So those those numbers continue to go up and it's just like anything else, man. If if you want to continue to keep pace with the big boys, you got to play the game and salary pool for assistant coaches is always one of the hot topics out there about how you're able to to keep your coaching staff and and everyone there happy and competitive and as and as good as anyone else in the country. Yeah. And I think that, and there, there is no way that Joe Castiglione, this administration's given up on this staff after one season, you know what I mean? But I, I do think in these situations, optics are important and raises extensions, all that stuff shown faith in the staff is, is a good thing, right? I, I think it sends a certain signal to the fan base as well. Like, Hey, these are, you know, we know last year is not what any of us are looking for, but these are our guys, right? We got faith in these guys, and you pretty much don't have a choice either. So I, I saw I saw some strong reactions to some of those uh, extension and raises. And I was like, listen, people, this is just how it goes. This is just it, it's just what you have to do. I I don't know if people like hearing that or not, Ted, but it is what it is, man. I know. I I. I... I totally understand it. This is a much different conversation after you've had a really successful year, right? It's uh, everyone's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Good year. Um, rewarded for it. It's a different conversation after a six and seven season. I understand it, but it's going to be the same next year, regardless of the result. Well, I guess I could, shouldn't say that. I mean, there are situations where uh, maybe it's not the same next year, but you know, this is, this is just typical, Big time college football business. Absolutely. Okay. The most important thing, in my opinion, that came out of that Board of Regents meetings was the approval of some budgets, right? Ted, and you know a lot more about this world than I do, but the Board of Regents approved budgets for approximately $390 million in athletics facilities upgrades. That includes improvements and or expansion for softball, baseball, basketball, golf, and tennis. But of course, let's be real. We're focused on how this affects OU football and the board of regions approved the $175 million budget for a new football operations facility and approved $75 million for a student athlete success center. Ted, why was this necessary? I think is a question that a lot of people may have. What? Why? Why did? What? Why does OU need to do this? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you, there's multiple reasons. Number one, you got to keep pace with what's going on out there. And I understand the big conversation is we just redid all of this in 2018. Well, there's a couple of things. 
Yes, that is true. We just redid it in 2018. But by the time this is going to be complete, it's going to be probably 2025. And 2018 to 2025, that's a lot of time. It doesn't seem like it, but you're talking about seven years. Not to suggest that what they did in 2018 will be obsolete in seven years, but um, you constantly, like, this. when this is done, you know, it's not going to be the end. It's not going to be the last thing that they ever do. you got to constantly keep going and keep upgrading. But the biggest part of what's going on here is – the biggest roadblock for college football programs and improving and keeping pace is the 20 hour rule, right? You have 20 hours of, of mandatory stuff where you can have the players there. Everything else cannot be mandatory. It has to be guys doing stuff on their own. So you're the clock is constantly ticking and how we're set up right now is not very efficient. You got a cafeteria in a different place. You got training room in a different place. You got weight room. You've got practice fields. You got indoor is in a different spot. So every time that you're moving between meetings to practice to um, to weight room to training room, it takes time. You're moving 200 people, 200 plus people with coaches and players and staff, and every single minute is critical. Right now, if you're set to have practice. Uh, on the practice fields outside of your meeting rooms and a storm rolls in, it's raining and you have to move to the indoor. Think about how much time that requires to change practice and move everyone to the indoor and move 200 plus people, you know, down the way. And every single one of those minutes matter. So whenever you have a standalone building, everything is right there. Meetings, food, weights, practice field, all of it is right there together. It's efficiency. And it's also an environment where the coaches and the players and staff are going to be able to be a little more intermingled right now. The way we're set up now, you've got a separation. You've got coaches, staff, like up on the third floor, second floor. You've got meeting rooms that are down on the first floor, locker room. The way they want it is to have most of that mixed together to where coaches constant open door policy like now you got an open door policy but the guys aren't walking by the third floor right which you know as a player you try to avoid those open doors right you <laughs> you, some... you certainly aren't climbing stairs to get to those <laughs> open doors i know that right so uh, this is just you know it's it's one of the big things is about efficiency now I'll tell you, Gabe, like what I think is amazing about this, you go back to the last time they did it in 2018, they had to stay in those temporary trailers out there, right? For, for locker room, meeting rooms and stuff like that, which for temporary trailers, it was pretty badass, honestly. Yeah, was, they were nice trailers. <laughs> it was really nice. But the way we're set up now, we're not going to miss a beat. Where they're building this new standalone facility, it doesn't affect our practice. It doesn't affect our meetings. It doesn't affect weight room, nothing. And that's rare to be able to pull that off and just have a seamless transition to the new building. So I think this is uh, I think this is big time. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I know some people may, may say, well, what they have now is adequate enough. 
right? And if you've walked through that facility, you'd probably say, wait, they need an upgrade from this? And the answer is, yeah. And I know it sounds like in, but it this sport, I feel like it's all about almost like maniacal attention to detail at this point. You, you got to remember, you the standard for Oklahoma football is not get close. It it's go win the whole damn thing. And Alabama has something like this. Clemson has something like this. You got to remember, Venables knows what it takes. Venables knows what it looks like, what it looks like. Thad Turnipseed was kind of one of the main architects of all of that for both of those schools. So we've got people that know what it looks like and knows, and they know what the efficiency can do uh, when it comes to the day to day, because those minutes, those hours, they add up over the course of a season and over the course of an off season. So I, I love what you mentioned about the efficiency. And then the other part of it is recruiting. It's recruiting. And, and some people want to say, well, does NIL matter? All that stuff. Yes, all that stuff matters. But facilities still matter. It's just human nature. You go to a school. You see their facilities. You are going to have one of two first impressions of what's going on at a school. Oh my God, look at those facilities or meh, meh. And Oklahoma with, and, and I know that, I know that we, we like to poke fun at the SEC. We've done it for a long, long time. Ted, I know you're one of the best at it. It is a different world down there though. It just is right. It's, it's okay to acknowledge that. So you have, you have to set yourself apart from a facility standpoint, from Alabama, LSU, like you have to have a setup that when they come visit Norman, that goes, wow, like, hey, I can see myself leaving home, whether that's in the Southeast or the West Coast or the North, it doesn't matter. Like where they can, where they leave home and say, that's the type of place I want to go spend three to five years in. And OU is that while we still have the state of Texas as a huge recruiting footprint, you look at some of these offensive linemen and defensive linemen that are coming out of the southeastern region of the country. We got to have something that can, that can get some of those big dudes going, you know what? I want to go live in Norman. I want to go live and play in Norman. And the best facility in all of college football is a way to really help that. It's a, it's a great way to facilitate that. Then, you know, it's, it's, it's not the, you know, there was a time whenever facilities I think are bigger than what they are now because not everyone had upgraded to like, there was a big arms race that started and you had these haves and have nots where you had some schools where it was like just incredible and other schools where, you know, they were stuck in the you know, the, the nineties, uh, so to speak. And then everyone just kind of ramped up together. And I, there's very few power five schools that have bad facilities, right? It's right. all like you walk in, it's like, Oh my God, this is all pretty much incredible, they're, but they're all better than the NFL team's facilities. And it's not close. Yeah. So, um, but it's, 
one of the important things, as crazy as this might sound in recruiting, is being able to sell the future, right? To be able to say, like, you will be the first group to move into this, right? This is what we're doing for guys in your class. This is what the future looks like for us. And that's one of the reasons you're constantly upgrading is you're constantly selling something. Whenever this is done, I don't know what the next thing is, but they're going to be talking about this is our plans now. Look at what we're doing for the future. So it's just, it's part of it. And I think for the, really the first time, Oklahoma is because of the way that this is going to be built and the the efficiency and the way that they're going to be able to have a, a seamless transition to it, when it's completed, I think Oklahoma will be able to say that they have like one of the top two, three, five at the worst facilities in college football. And we I don't know that we've ever been there. Right. And at Eli Letterman actually had a tweet where it kind of it, it, it stacked up all of the recently announced or completed uh, football operations facilities across the country. And OU's there at right, 175 million. Nebraska was the next closest at 165. Florida State, 100 million. Auburn, uh, just under 92. Florida, 85. Georgia, 80. And South Carolina there at 50. And I saw that list and I go, Kirby Smart is about to throw a fit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's about the back-to-back national championships. He's going to want a new, he's going to want the newest and nicest. And that's, that, that is what, that's kind of how college football operates, whether that makes a ton of sense or not. I, I'm not here to judge that, but I, I do still, I, I think there, there's one thing that is important over all other things in recruiting now. And it's, can you get me to the NFL and make me an early round draft pick? I, I believe that's more important than location, than NIL money, than any of that. I think, can you get me to the league and make me a first rounder is what the majority of these top recruits care about. And having the nicest football facility in the country with all of the latest recovery equipment and top of the line weight room equipment and top of the line resources for players with the athlete success center, all this stuff. It allows you to go. We have everything you possibly need, right? Along with the coaching, right? And the development with Schmitty, like we have everything you need to become an elite college football player, which will result in you being a first round draft pick. And I think, I think that's a huge recruiting tool. I, I I do. So I don't know what the timetable looks like, man. I from from what I've been able to gather, this has not been a painless process getting everyone on the same page for this football operations facility. But in an ideal world, you're in there in January 2025. But I just uh, I'm gonna need to see that to believe it. Yeah, 2025 is is kind of been the the year that's been thrown around but we're gonna have to see we're gonna have to see dirt work happening before you ever really start to get any idea of what a timetable is going to be and especially with the world we're living in right now i mean after what we've gone through things are, are much better but 
you never know when supply chain issues are going to just all of a sudden hit. And, you know, there's, there's always things that you just can't forecast in there, but when you see the yellow equipment roll in, that's whenever you can start talking about some timetables as of right now, I don't know what their plans are, but you know, from what I initially heard 2025 was the year. Now, whether that's, that's January or, you know, by the time you're, the season rolls around, you're practicing in there. I don't know what that is. But again, back to this point, it will not affect any of their current situation, which I don't know that I, we've definitely never been able to go through that in the past here just because of the way it's all been set up right there inside the stadium. And I, we've, we've been improving what we've had, and now it's going to be separate in a different spot. That's that's uh, just so critical that it's not going to ever affect the day to day. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys what what made you most excited about what the OU Board of Regents approved this week. This first one comes from Michael Stizza. He he says how seriously the admin is taking the move to the SEC. Facilities have been a little behind in a number of sports, football included. And Ted, I completely agree with with our man Michael Stizza. It feels like Joe Casiglione, the leadership of the university, Joe Harris, are fully acknowledging what we have right now, not only in football, but in a lot of sports. It ain't good enough with the neighborhood we're about to be living in. Right. Yeah. And if you, and I don't think there are many OU fans out there going, oh, this, all this stuff seems so unnecessary. You should improve the press box instead. All this stuff. Listen, everything else will fall in place if you have a good football team. Yep. Everything, right? The donations, but like the money will appear if you're winning a ton of football games. So I, I just think that. This is the administration acknowledging like, hey, we're about to live in a different world. We need to act like it. And yep. it, you've talked about it a long time. That that has not necessarily been the attitude around here for a while. No. And, you know, I, 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 I think that everyone understands. If you talk to any of the coaches in the other sports and – Right. The, the conversation goes to football and the and the resources that are dumped into football. Everyone gets it. Like, there's no one that is upset that you're spending this money on football because that's where the the bread is buttered. Like, all the other stuff is great, and I I think as fans, we're all extremely proud of all of those other of those other uh, programs. And you know, it's not to take anything away from that. It's just the money comes from football like that's where the revenue comes from that's where the conference payouts come yeah basketball chips in with the ncaa tournament and you know there's there's some other revenue producing stuff out there but 95 percent of it if not more like i don't know the exact number is football driven and that's not going to change and as long as everyone's on on board with making sure that our football program is the elite of the elite then everything else is going to get what they need. Yeah. And, and that's why I like the way that our man boomer damn sooner on Twitter uh, put it looks like the facilities are about to match the culture. Yeah. 
I thought I thought that was a good way of putting it. Yeah, that's right. right. And and that is that is something you mentioned selling the future, right? I think now clearly Texas Texas has a lot going on as well, right? With some of the upgrades they've made down in Austin. But is there another team, another program in the country that can sell the future better than Oklahoma right now? with the impending move to the SEC, with the football operations facility that's coming. I, If there's a school out there, let me know. But it, it seems like OU is positioned more than anyone to sell the future of the program right now. Yep, I, I totally agree with that. The one thing that, you know, everything is primed. The gasoline has been thrown all over the uh, the kindling. The match that's going to be tossed onto to the fire is a, a really good season, right? You go in the big 12, who knows, do something really special, make your way into a college football playoff. Then you've got, uh, you've got ignition on your hands and, and the way we're recruiting right now coming off of a really good class. The future looks bright for the class currently, especially on the defensive line side, which is, you know, where we've been lacking in, in past years, like, we are we're staged for a really really impressive uh explosion onto the SEC scene so it's exciting times absolutely you know what else is exciting What's birthday that? shout yes. outs happy first birthday Montgomery Myers happy 20th birthday to Colby Kaltenbacher happy 50th birthday the big 50 to John Mason Happy 63rd birthday to Kurt Renard. And congratulations to Bo and Kayla on the birth of Crosby Josephine Jones. CJJ. Nice. Welcome to the world. All right. The return of football guys talking basketball, baby. FGTB. That's right, right? Yeah, it sounds right. But first... Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile-to-go zone. And, of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamari. Good stuff. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. You want to live your life in buttery soft comfort? Go to opolisclothing.com, O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. This is the new model it for us. Oh, what do you think? Do you do curls today? No. Oh, that's (laughs) your – oh. (laughs) Well, never mind, Mister Muscles. No, that shirt looks good, man. They do, they do a great job, and they're so, they really are so soft. They're good, money, money. And make sure you head to the garage 
for hand smashed patties, butter toasted buns, and ice cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it's the perfect spot to watch any big game. Uh, March Madness coming up. The garage would be a perfect place to watch all the madness ensue. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, football guys talking basketball. I want to hit OU men's basketball, OU women's basketball, and the Thunder. OU men's basketball. No, no players made any of the three All-Big 12 teams. Now, Los Uzan did make the All-Freshman team, and you and I have discussed we're very excited about his future in Norman. It does feel like Jalen Hill got robbed not making the All-Defense team. Uh, Porter Moser, I love that he expressed so much frustration about that publicly because he he had lobbied. He Over these last couple of weeks, he'd pretty much openly lobbied for Jalen Hill to make the all-defensive team. But, Ted, it's a reminder, when it comes to postseason awards, winning is very important. And if you are True. not on a team that is winning a lot of games, typically, whether it's fair or not, you do not get recognized. So I felt bad for Jalen Hill, but got to got to win more games to get some awards, right? Unfortunately, that's how it goes. Um, yeah, it, it's whenever you're you're going to win the conference or or put together a special year, the awards are going to stack up. So uh, it's unfortunate, but that's nothing new. That's kind of the way that it that it typically goes, and um, you hate that. It's not. Doesn't always go to necessarily the best guys, but you know, whenever your team is getting headlines for how good you've played, it's a lot easier to get those type of uh, recognitions. Yeah, Big Twelve tournament starts today. Bedlam round three tonight at eight thirty on ESPN two. Sooners, they got to win the Big Twelve tournament to go to the ACC tournament. ACC tournament, NCAA tournament. That'd be really weird if they went to the ACC tournament. I don't even know. Maybe they could go win that one. They have a chance winning it. Yeah, yeah no they doubt. have a chance winning it. I don't know what that was. But now, by the time some people listen to this, we'll know whether or not they have beaten Oklahoma State. Right? I know a lot of people listen to the pod on Thursday. But all you got to do is beat Oklahoma State, then beat Texas, then beat Kansas State or TCU, and then probably beat Kansas. It, that's all you got to do, Ted. It, I mean, is that that hard? Come on. Just run the uh, table, Sooners. What are we doing? Come on. Just run the table. No big deal. Um, hopefully, everyone's going to be resting players for the big NCAA tournament, but we know that's not going to be the case. Yeah. It. What's the best way to put it? It seems unlikely that OU men's basketball would be able to uh, pull that type of runoff. Not, but create. Crazier things have happened in sports, there's no doubt, but seems like a team that is destined for the NIT, Ted. And I believe, I feel like I saw someone put this out, that you no longer have to have a winning record to go to the NIT. You can go to to the NIT with a sub-500 record. So I I don't mean this sarcastically. Like, that's good news, right? Like, they can... <laughs> right. So, uh, it's been a rough year, man. I don't know what else to say other than that. It's been a rough year for Porter Moser and that team. It's been tough. Uh, I think they have 
according to uh, what the ESPN was at the FPI or predictor, whatever it's called, they've got between a one and 2% chance of winning the big 12 tournament. Uh, okay. So you've got that, but here's the other so thing. You're and, telling me there's a chance. That's right. And I, I'm not happy that we're reduced to this, but it is what it is. And if you need a reason to cheer Oklahoma state, uh, they need to have a really nice big 12 tournament in order to make the, the NCAA tournament. So you could go play spoiler. Go that, beat Oklahoma state. That's probably sends them to the NIT. I think all of you fans are thinking the exact same way that you're thinking <laughs> like, Hey, we ain't going well, Oklahoma State ain't going either. Come on, That's boys, right. get it done. Misery loves night. company. Yeah, but anything else for OU men's basketball other than your uh, your lifelong goal to have them build a new arena? That's it. That's it. I did hear Josie say that they've uh, engaged an architect firm in case the arena doesn't get done to reimagine the LNC. Oh. Um, and – you know, my what's that reimagining look like to you? Parking lot, <laughs> knocking it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That I mean, that's also something to think about that you've got in your back pocket. That if they cannot get everyone, you know, it, uh, engaged and on board for the arena at the University of North Park, then they'll have to fall back on reimagining the LNC and. You know, that I think that at a minimum, it's it's good that they're looking in that direction. Yeah. Let's hope let's hope it all gets figured out. All right. Let's uh let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's talk OU women's basketball. Let's do it. And I will be the first to admit we have not done a tremendous job of covering women's hoops this year. And that that's on us because Jenny Baranchek's done one hell of a job with that team. Right, you look yep. at the All Big Twelve honors. Had five players get All Big Twelve honors, uh, most of any team in the conference. I have no idea. Maybe I'm missing something. And, and Vic Schaefer is a really good basketball coach for Texas. Don't get me wrong, but I got no idea how Jenny Baranchek didn't win Big Twelve Coach of the Year. It makes it makes no sense, especially with what she's done. With that program over the last two years, yeah, I mean, what are we doing, Big Twelve? How how's that even happen? No, pretty wild. the 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 turnaround is critical. Like to have a share of the Big Twelve for the first time since what two thousand nine. It's it's really impressive in two years. And like last year, it's not like last year was like a big transition year and they weren't very good. And now they've gotten it going. Like they were good last year too. And this year, like I, the way that they play, I guess, I mean, you never know what happens in, in tournament play, but like their style, I think that makes them a dangerous NCAA tournament team. They can score. Yep. Right. And if you, this just in in basketball, if you can put the ball in the basket, you're always going to have a chance yeah. <laughs> and they can score. And I had, I had Jenny on my big 12 radio show on Monday. And first of all, she made no apologies for the celebration on the court after bedlam, Good. which I loved. And I loved what she was saying. I basically asked her, Hey, what, what's the plan between now 
and when you guys play on Friday, right? That's kind of an odd break in the season. And she was like, oh, oh we're getting after it on the practice floor. Like, that's what we do. And the way that she said it, I was like, let's go. Come on, Jenny. But so they are, uh, they're getting prepared for the Big 12 tournament there in Kansas City. They get the winner of Kansas and TCU, and they'll play on Friday at 5 p.m. And I, the, the big question for that team right now is what's the status of Maddie Williams? Because she went out in that Bedlam game early, never came back, and She's their best player. <laughs> you, If you want to make a run at it in the Big 12 tournament or in the NCAA tournament, you want to have your best player. But if if the choices are, hey, let her rest and get ready for the NCAA tournament or push it and risk some stuff and having her play in the Big 12, I think you rest her and, and you you focus on getting her ready to go for March Madness. But we'll see. Usually... College players, if they can play, they play, and that's why it's fun. So I'm, um, I think we're all wondering uh, what Maddie Williams' status is going to be on Friday night. But currently, the Sooners. I was checking out some NCAA women's bracketology earlier today, and OU currently a five seed. So on the men's side, we've got not even sniffing the tournament, and Jenny B already got has them as a uh, five seed, which kind of feels low. This is really low to me, but, but but they haven't really like cracked the top ten or anything like that. So you start you start adding it up. You're like, okay, so yeah. well maybe they could play themselves into a four here uh, with a with a nice Big Twelve tournament. We'll see. But the uh, I would say the trajectory of OU women's basketball under Jenny Baranchek is exactly where you want it to be. She's doing she's doing a hell of a job, and those players are are responding to what she's preaching, and it's it's fun to watch. Do we know any idea what the injury is? Um, it, to it Maddie looked, Williams, it looked some type of low, it, you know, in hockey terms, lower body injury. Yeah, huh. but okay. I, I I don't know. Yeah, all right. Well, hopefully she's back. Um, be nice if she's back for the Big 12 tourney to go uh, go grab that sucker and have some really good momentum heading into the NCAA tournament. But, you know, whatever it takes to get her right for the big dance. Yeah. All right. Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder have won three in a row, baby. Everyone, SGA missed a couple games because he had COVID. He had the ab issue. Everyone got off their tank jokes. I get it. Ah, ha, ha. Funny, funny. Let's make fun of the Thunder. Well, guess what? He's back on the court, and they're balling, baby. Now, I do not love that Jalen Williams, who may be like, can I say something that is probably, I don't know. I I, I don't want to be too hot takey with this. Okay. Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams, the good one. And, and hey, other Jalen Williams balled out against the Warriors, like hitting shots. He was huge. But are we, are we sure that Jalen Williams doesn't have the highest ceiling of anyone on the Thunder roster? Are, are we sure? Like when you, because that dude's athleticism, athleticism he, he's a more explosive athlete than Shea. 
let's just if the shooting can come around just a little bit and he's shooting the ball well, the handles there, the vision, the confidence is growing. I'm just saying, is it crazy to say that he could be the most talented guy on that roster? And I know we haven't seen Chet. I get that. But just the way he's built physically, his skill set, his explosiveness. I don't know, man. It's it's something yeah. to think about. I know that. Yeah, well, he's got the athleticism. If the skill development comes around, you may be onto something, but um the future's bright with the youth on the team, man. The the young young group of players that they've got right now, SGA included, uh Giddy, Jalen Williams, and like you said, we still haven't seen uh Chet, which you know, if if he's anywhere close to what people were telling us he was going to be and, you know, the predictions of him in the NBA, they're going to have a really, really stout young nucleus that could uh, could really make them competitive in the league for a yeah. long time. Yeah, which is very exciting. And, hey, Jalen Williams misses the Golden State game. Not great. Don't love that. Steph Curry scores 40. Pours it in from everywhere in that building because he just always does, apparently. And the Thunder win by nine. So you just look at where where they were a year ago to where they are now. The rebuild is it's looking good, man. Like you said, it's looking really good. Now, looking at the Warriors game, it certainly helps when you go 17-37 from three, right? That is, if you do that, you're going to win a lot of games. But... SGA with another 30-plus point game. He didn't have quite the explosiveness. He looked a little ginger to me, but still uh, wildly efficient. Giddy, I feel like that's the best version of Giddy. Mm -hmm. What did he end up with? 17 assists. And if guys are hitting shots, but 17 points, 17 assists and 11 rebounds, only a couple turnovers. I feel like that's him at his best. He, he's playing with way more confidence. He's playing way more downhill. The old Billy Donovan term, playing with a lot of force, Ted. Yeah. I, I, like I feel like game. that's his that's that's him at his best. Yep. I like his game a lot. He's you know, he, he's like the, the the versatility there. He could do a little bit of everything for you. Um obviously a great passer, can handle the ball well, um, you know, great shooter. He's got, man, his ceiling, it's crazy to think about how young he still is, right? Is he going into his, what, third year now? It's his second year. Second. He'll go, yeah, but he's 20 years old. Yeah, young, young, young. You look at it, 31 and 34 right now for the Thunder. Same record as New Orleans and Portland. Currently sitting one spot out of the play-in. LeBron's hurt. Who knows when Zion's coming back? I know we've talked about this before, but 17 games left. It's going to be a fun finish to the season, man. You look at the schedule, like there's a lot of games against those teams. I This is this is fun. I Whether they make the play-in or not, who knows? But first and foremost, you want everyone to stay healthy. The Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be playing meaningful games in March and April. 
that wh- whether it goes well or not, that's important for this young core to do, to have to play those games and feel that pressure, right? I I think I think that is a that's going to be a great experience for this team. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited, man. I'm real excited. I yeah, man. I um. Whenever you've got how many guys are there? Is there anyone on the roster that that plays that's been in the playoffs? Ooh. So you think about getting no. Did SGA did they make the playoffs at all when he was in Los Angeles? I don't know. Probably. I I mean no. None of the key contributors, right? right? Or like when you think about the young core, Jalen Williams, SGA, Dort. My point is like Giddy. No. Compared to some of the other teams, like the thought of that and for those guys, like, hey guys, like we're we're right there. Like a lot of the older guys, like older teams that have a lot of experience that have been around the the block before. Probably, probably not nearly as amped up about that is a young core like the Thunder have are, and uh, just the thought of hey, we got a chance to make the postseason can really light a light a fire under some of these guys down the stretch. Whenever some teams start to fade a bit as the season wears on, the, a young team that is faced with something that they've never really had an opportunity before, like they could. They could all of a sudden hit another gear. That's it's fun to think about. I I did I did forget that Shea was remember we went to the playoffs a couple of years ago with Chris Paul. Remember played that series against Houston? It was an awesome series, so I'd kind of forgotten about that. Shea but, was there then? Yeah, 2020. Okay. So that was uh that, that was the bubble year. So does that count? I mean, did he it, play though? Was he hurt or something? Did he play it? I'm looking at it right now. He played, huh? And then he played in a series in 2019, right? The sure. Clippers played the Warriors. So your answer is some playoff experience, not much. This is okay. why people listen to this podcast for this hard hitting <laughs> basketball recall. <laughs> Oh man! For the love of God, let's talk about some football so we stop sounding like such <laughs> morons. Oh my gosh! Let's get to our winners and losers of the week. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes twenty-two AP courses. Participation in OSS, AA Athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. 
They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Pershing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, I got to go with K.J. Osborne, receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, who pulled a man from a burning vehicle in Austin, Texas over the weekend. Was riding in an Uber. Uber driver noticed the car was on fire. They pulled over, and uh, he ran over and helped pull someone from a burning vehicle. And what makes you a better winner than saving someone's life? Um, Pretty awesome that he was able to do that down in Austin. And pretty, like, reading up on it, sounds like just a really interesting young man. Finishing his master's at Miami. Wants to be in the secret service uh, whenever he's done playing football. So I thought that was really cool. All right. I think he's got what it takes to be in the secret service if he's riding in an Uber that late. Now, you're in an Uber that late. I assume you've been out. For your instant reaction to be like, I'm going to that burning car and I'm getting them out. That's that's some badass stuff, man. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Um it's always fun to think about. Now, I had a chance Ooh. once to pull someone from a burning vehicle when I was in high school. And? Late at night, I was at a convenience store with some friends. And we heard, like, a loud boom. We looked down the road, and a truck had gone off the road, hit an electric pole, and was starting to go on fire. We sprinted. It was probably like... I mean, it was probably like 300 yards away and full sprint ran all the way down there and dang it. The guy was like sitting on the ground outside of the truck, but uh, I was like, here we go. This is it. And, uh, you know, basically ran a 300 yard sprint for nothing, but was glad that the guy was okay. Fell asleep at the wheel. Okay. Dangerous. Don't do that. It's dangerous. Don't do that. Hey. Don't drive tired, people. Don't do that. But the closest I came was my buddy Nick Coffey flipped his car in my other buddy uh, Tate Triska's neighborhood when we were in high school. The car wasn't on fire or anything, but I was the first one there. I stopped and helped him get out. But I, cool. I do think hey. I do think at one point the the narrative got shifted to way where maybe the car was on fire just to make the story more fun. It wasn't. Yeah. I I didn't I didn't I did not warp the story, but I I think I'm remember, remembering this correct. The way Someone I was like, you it. you pulled Nick out of a burning car. I'm like, no, no, I did not. He he was just sitting there. I was I helped him get out. I barely I gave him like one hand. It was it was the least I could do. Guys, one of my lifelong friends. It feels to me like you reached in there, ripped the seatbelt in half, cut it with my out, teeth, <laughs> cut it with his, your teeth, pulled him out over a pile of broken glass just as the vehicle exploded and you shielded him from the explosion 
still with us. Awesome. Yeah, still, still with us. And now bilingual. He's learned Spanish. How about that? Look at him go. <laughs> New lease on life. Yeah, right. guys, guys, the man. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? Now, maybe you can help me out on this. Okay. I'm going with the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens have informed the league that they are placing the franchise, non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, which means he is open to negotiate with other teams. And shall other teams find a, a negotiation point? They have to compensate the Ravens with a couple of first-rounders, but it's really quiet. There's a bunch of teams like immediately who said that they're not interested. They're in the quarterback market, but for some reason they're not interested in Lamar Jackson. This seems strange to me. Could this is the only thing I can think of. Could it be that they don't like that he's missed as many games as he has over the last couple of seasons. And it does feel like, and listen, I hope Lamar Jackson gets his money, man. He is unbelievable to watch. I think he's one of the most entertaining players we've seen in the National Football League in a long, long time. But the way that that entire thing went down at the end of last season with the Ravens, John Harbaugh basically publicly going, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, Lamar won't tell us anything that I, I got to assume some NFL teams looked at that and went, Oh, don't love that. But uh, yeah, I, I can't really think cause he's in his, I mean, he's not even in his prime. He's still before his prime as a quarterback. Now maybe in his prime when you can like consider his athleticism and what he does with his legs, but this is a dude that was NFL MVP, and the Falcons are like, no, 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 we're good with Desmond Ritter? I mean, are you kidding me? That's what I don't get. I I understand if if you look at the way that the season ended and, and the rift between Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, but, I mean, that is a contract negotiation situation. You're not going to have a contract negotiation situation if you got if you're able to at least have a conversation and reach a deal that both sides agree on and you know i know that he's demanding an incredibly high price but you got a product that is verified you can go look at what he's done in the NFL and you'd rather take your chances on on guys that have never performed i don't know it just it seems awful strange to me how quickly everyone was able to shoot it down and say they aren't interested. Now, I'm not the only one to notice this. There's a lot of people that have kind of been saying the same thing. Like, it almost appears as if before that ever even happened that uh, I, there was almost some type of conversation out there as to, now we're going to tag him, but you guys aren't going to come after him, are you? No, no, you're good. We're not. And that's tampering. Like, you can't do that. Right. That's that's illegal. Right. That's collusion. Mm -hmm. Now, 
Field Yates had a tweet, and there are all kinds of different reports out there, right, about Lamar Jackson. But here are the teams that reportedly will not be pursuing a deal with him. The Falcons. Did I did I miss it where the Falcons have some MVP caliber quarterback? I know they just drafted Ritter, but come on, guys. Let's be serious. The Dolphins. Tua? You'd rather have Tua than Lamar? I, I know you don't want to give up on the guy, but man, the, the concussion part of all of that is, and I know he's taking, I think he's doing Taekwondo now. Nice. Jiu-jitsu, one or the other, or no, it's judo. He's learning how to fall and not hit his head, which is great. Panthers aren't interested. <laughs> I don't I would say the 300 pound lineman that like suplexed him to the ground had something to do with that. Not just, uh, like gotta he, learn to tuck the chin dead. He stumbled and fell and hit his head and needs to fix that. Okay. But that's good. Falcons, dolphins, Panthers, commanders, and Raiders. Raiders don't need a quarterback. I, I will say this. And and I know there a big deal is being made of Lamar Jackson not having an agent. I get that, right? You you want this is the perfect time to have an agent to do all the dirty work and to remove yourself from the situation. But these teams that ain't won Jack in a long time saying, "Oh, we're good. We have no interest in Lamar Jackson" is straight up disrespectful to him as a player. You got to realize he's like twenty six years old. He's still it's, very young. Like it, it makes no sense. What what the hell is happening now on the Ravens side of things? I get like, hey Lamar, you don't have an agent. We're gonna let all these other teams negotiate with you. We'll see what the offer sheet looks like. Let them deal with it, and then we get to say yay or nay, right? And it's kind of easy on the Ravens now. You also want your quarterback to be happy. This The way that this has played out for Lamar Jackson is bizarre, man. So bizarre. bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Obviously, don't know en enough of the behind-the-scenes, don't know any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and that's that's where the real story is, is told. Like, I don't know. I don't know how the negotiations went with the Ravens that had Lamar so upset. I don't know what the other teams know or or feel about it uh, as far as how that went down and why they're so quick to to say that they're not interested it seems strange to me and if i'm a head coach or gm or an owner of any of those other teams that's a short list i can name you a bunch of other teams that lamar jackson is like levels above their quarterback and Nobody's interested. Okay, it's just, just weird. Yeah, right. this the Ravens be, uh... had to know that there was going to be no one interested to be able to put the non-exclusive tag on him. I. That's that's like that's a pretty ballsy move. Collusion, because I don't know like what happens if someone does come in and offer him a deal and he agrees on it and he's gone. Like where where are the Ravens now? They get their like, what two two compensatory first rounders, and they lose their franchise quarterback. Doesn't that seem like an unreasonable risk to take? 
it, it it does, and it's a great reminder that everyone and their dog in the NFL hates the Cleveland Browns for the Deshaun Watson deal. No doubt. Yep. There is not an organization more hated right now by everyone in the league than Cleveland for giving that guy that deal. Because everyone, that's that's Lamar Jackson looked at that and said, that's the exact deal I want. He said, want I've been an that. MVP. Deshaun hasn't. Pay me. This is what he got. I want more, which makes sense. But I think the Ravens and a lot of other people are like, hey, that's an outlier. That's that's Cleveland doing <laughs> Cleveland things. But wait, <laughs> hey, wait, wait till wait till we talk about my uh, loser of the week, and then it, it'll it'll tie back into Lamar. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for forty years. Family owned and operated, they got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a newer used car from them. All you've got to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Calvin Ridley. Welcome back to the NFL. Calvin, just a reminder... What was it, a $1,500 bet that cost him a little over $11 million in salary? The West, the worst bet on planet Earth of all time. Unbelievable. But he's back, Ted. He's back to run some routes. <laughs> that is so brutal, man. Oh, my God. $1,500 bet. If I remember, wasn't it like a stupid parlay? Something, yeah. Was, well, and, what was the, How did he get busted on that? I think he used his name and like his email and everything. Like, and the the NFL screens all that stuff, like FanDuel and all that, like all that stuff. They're searching for that. Hey, or is anybody stupid enough to use their real name to bet on one of these? And all it did was cost him a cool eleven million. But he's and back. He's wasn't he like injured at the time too? Like he was. Yes. Not like he was even playing or was not playing. So bad. So bad. But my winner of the week, New York Jets, and especially their fans. They got to be getting very, very excited about this latest report regarding one Aaron Rodgers. The Jets brass, we're talking GM, head coach, owner, everyone flew out to California to meet with Rodgers. Clearly, the Packers had to give them permission to meet with him in this fashion. 
So I got to imagine this was a thorough discussion about what life as a New York Jet would look like for Aaron Rodgers. And I I also assume the, the ultimate goal for the Jets is to convince Aaron Rodgers that they are the place for him and for him to okay a trade from Green Bay. I I do think Rodgers in New York would be ridiculously entertaining. I I mean, I, I feel like it would be great for the content on here we needed in our lives. But when you just went through a season of whatever the hell that was with Zach Wilson Ooh. and then Mike White, and what was there a little Flacco in there? Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, a little Flacco. I, I have to imagine Jets fans are looking at this going, I know he's he's a little older and he's on ayahuasca and all this stuff, but please, please bring us Aaron Rodgers. You talk about an upgrade. Good Lord. All right, Aaron Rodgers is still head and shoulders above. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it ain't even close. Am I the only one that that pictures that meeting with the Jets taking place in one of those sauna tents or something? <laughs> Like some type of hut. <laughs> hut. Like, yeah. And Everyone you walk up, you, you walk up and Aaron Rodgers, he's got like a lead basket or something. He's like, put your phones in here, please. Thank you. <laughs> like puts them to the side. Uh, yeah, I think it would be great. I think he's, he's obviously still got plenty to offer. He's not, he's not the Aaron Rodgers. He was five years ago. Everyone understands that, but he's still got incredible arm talent. Um, as long as the, are the Jets going to be healthy at offensive line? That's, they're really good at offensive line if they if they're healthy. And yeah. if that's the case, they're healthy at, at O line. Okay, they may have something. Yeah, the pieces, the defense, right? Yep. Uh, and as he'll make all your skill players way better. Yeah, as strange as Aaron Rodgers is, right? Brings an adult in the room. Yeah. A guy, a guy that every single guy in that locker room, like when he speaks, everyone else is going to shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. He's Aaron Rodgers, man. And you saw Brees Hall, what Sauce Gardner, like all those guys were on Twitter, like, come on, man. That's that could that could not have been a good feeling for Zach Wilson, Mike White, any yeah. quarterback, like, hey, please, please come. But well, you know, I it's not it's not a good feeling, but even like if you're a young guy like Wilson, like you have to view that as an opportunity to learn from one of the best to ever do it. And, and like maybe not get thrown to the wolves and take something from him and learn his process and everything. And don't just be totally shut off to the idea. Well, remember he said, if they bring in a veteran quarterback, he's going to give them hell every day. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let, we'll let me know how that goes. Zach Wilson, let me know how that goes. But yeah, Jets fans got to be fired up. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with Quinn Ewers. A lot of chatter, Ted. Arch Manning's on campus. Steve Sarkeesian. A lot of people make it a big deal about Steve Sarkeesian's comments that it is an open competition between those two for the starting job. I have no clue why some people are making it such a big deal because, yeah, duh, you won a competition at every position. That's football. That's how you build up a program. That's how you create a great team. But everyone's now trying to psychoanalyze you were cutting his hair and his trimming his beard and all this stuff. It's 
it's pretty funny. Ewers has to, he has to see all this and be like, guys, I'm just trying to live my life, man. Can I not just like hang out and be a college kid? It's, it turned into a big deal. It was like the number one story on ESPN for a while. It, well, you know, whether he likes it, like this is the tough spot that he's going to be in. I, I expect him to win the quarterback battle against Arch Manning, but I don't, right. I don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot of information of, of what it exactly is going to look like, but let's assume that he wins it. Every incompletion, every stalled drive, it's everyone's going to want to see Arch Manning because of the name, because five-star quarterback coming in. Like that's just the world that they're living in. And this is, it's not going to be easy to navigate that for Sarkeesian, man. It's, it's not. It happened last year. And Arch wasn't even there yet. I know. When he was playing back. And Ewers, I was not overly impressed with Ewers last year. And listen, I I know they beat OU 49 to nothing. I get that. We're gonna we're gonna have to hold that L for you know until next October. That's just how it works. Yep. But he had game. I thought he cost them some games. There are some games where I think if Sarkeesian would have played Hudson Card, they'd probably win. Yep. And I did not think he played very well last season. And people were already said, well, at least Arch is coming next year. Now he's actually there. So all of a sudden, the the pressure cooker is a whole different beast for Quinn Ewers. And we'll we'll see how he responds to it, man. It's not well, it's not an easy situation, but if you are if you're built for it, if you're that dude, then you perform under these circumstances. That's that's the life of a quarterback. I expect Quinn Ewers to be a lot better than he was last year anyways, right? Just, you know, that was his first year starting, right? And in college... Banged up a little bit, too. Yeah. In college, like, those are years where you you see guys make really big uh, jumps in, in their ability. And you introduce Arch Manning to the mix. And I know, like, the the cutting the hair and trimming the beard, like, I don't know how big the dude is feeling the pressure and just being the guy and being the quarterback at Texas and having the NIL deal and the comfort that comes along with that is gone. And he's going to be having to prove himself every single day. And I think that whether or not he wins the job or maintains the job, I don't know, but I do think it's going to make him a much better quarterback. I'm with you for the first time. He's going to have to really put a lot of effort in. I. I got a feeling it's not the last time we talk about the old QB battle of Texas. Daily. But long way to go between now and and when we kick the season off. All right, but my loser of the week. We talked about Lamar Jackson and some of these uh, franchises saying, oh, we, no, we're not interested. My loser of the week's the New York Giants because they're giving Daniel Jones $160 million. I... I I just don't think giving Daniel Jones $40 million a year is something. I don't think it's something they had to do. I Maybe another team would have done it. And I know he had a very solid year under Brian Dable, but completed 67% of his passes, 3,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, ran the ball really well, right? Over 700 yards rushing, seven touchdowns, rush, uh, seven rushing touchdowns. But as a result of that, they give him a four-year, $160 million contract with $82 million guaranteed at signing. 
and includes up to $35 million in incentives. Ted, Daniel Jones, who, remember, they did not pick up his fifth-year option, right, which is the ultimate sign of disrespect to a first-round pick, especially a quarterback. But after one season where he was solid, he is now the seventh-highest-paid quarterback in the league as of now when it comes to an on-average, a yearly average. I, I don't think he's a top-seven quarterback in the National Football League, but congrats to him. But I just, I saw this and I said, what? $40 million a year for Daniel Jones. I know the re- I, I know the QB market is what it is now, but ooh, this is a guy that's 21, 31, and one as a starter in his career. Congrats. Here's your giant contract. See, this is a guy that I feel like you're not worried about people coming in and poaching him. So why they're giving him this contract, I just think it's totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. I just, I, I can't imagine that there's teams lined up that have Daniel Jones on their board that are saying, this is where we're going. This is the future of our team. Should the, should the giants mess up? And not, you know, sign him to a huge deal. This is where we're going. We're we're dumping all our resources into Daniel Jones. I just don't believe that that's the case. So it's yet another situation where I think a franchise so fearful of not having anyone at quarterback hamstrings the development of the rest of their their team by overpaying for a quarterback. I just don't think it's necessary. You could spread that money around and just cycle anyone through and get the same or better results. If you spend that money in free agency on other positions of need in that matter. But we see this routinely. It's it's whatever. I, Three years ago, if you would have told me that Daniel Jones is going to make $40 million at quarterback, uh, there's there's no way I would believe that. The numbers have become so quickly inflated at quarterback that it's it's spreading to guys that just clearly don't deserve it. And teams are I don't I don't understand, man. From the you gotta step back for a second and look at the league for a moment and and really Think about what you're about to do. I just think they can't see the forest for the trees right now. It is, uh, it's a bit puzzling, but it, and I'm not sure how the deal's structured, right? Maybe this is really just a two year, like, hey, prove you're the guy type deal, and then you do another extension, right, where you pay him even more money. But you just look at Daniel Jones, forty million a year just doesn't add up with what we've seen. He had a really nice year last year, but, and and I know that the coaching situation wasn't the most stable, right? For his first couple of years. I get that, but damn man, (sighs) 
Now, they franchise tag Saquon Barkley, so he's going to be in the backfield in all likelihood for the Giants. So running game is the quarterback's best friend. Having one of the best running backs in the league, certainly very helpful for that, but got to be a good feeling to be Daniel Jones right now, man. Damn. No doubt. And, hey, I those those the people in that front office, the coaching staff there, they see him every day. They've got a much better grasp of his skills and, and what they think he's going to develop into. But you but, pay for production, man. I know. I, I don't a quarterback, know. like you pay for production, not not what you think he may end up being. You know, what I, mean? I he clearly is the leader of that team and the, and the leader of that locker room, though, or else they wouldn't hand him, yeah, forty million a year. But I saw that and I just went. Whoa. Seems who were who were they like negotiating against? It feels like That's they drove I'm the saying. price up on themselves. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. On the that same, note. The same day you could have gotten Lamar Jackson, you know? People in New York wouldn't like to watch that entertaining of a player. Come on. No. 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 Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers in New York. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Please. Episode 298 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Sunday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.